Hey everyone, it's Ron Johnson, and this is the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network's Roundtable. I'm Ron Johnson. We're going to have Luke Inman join us, Sam Mextrom as well. Sam is my producer on the Ron Johnson Show, and then Luke Inman is from Superior Sports Talk. Luke got a, a, a praise this week saying he had the best personality on the football party, and Sam uh, and those other guys were just black holes of, of terribleness and uh, no personality. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, I'm glad to have Luke on here because he is personable. Um, they do like Sam on the uh, Ron Johnson show, though. They just don't like him in the football party. I don't know what's going on with that. But as yeah, we I jump can't into speak the... for everybody else, but I'm a person of the people of the... here, Ron. What can I say? It's nice when people you troll do. you and they still slip in a little compliment <laughs> yeah. for Luke. Luke. Luke gets the love and uh, the rest of us, I guess, are just, you know, chopped liver. <laughs> Well, hey, at least they like you, Sam, on the Ron Johnson show. So, so you got something yeah. going for you there. Uh, but in today's show, we're going to talk about the Vikings-Eagles game. We're going to talk about the differences that we're going to see in this Packers, from the Packers game to the Eagles game. We're going to talk about the Gophers, Colorado. And then we're going to talk about the Twins, where they stand. The Twins are four games back. Or sorry, five, four, yeah, four games back and they have five games going or something like that. Or what is it? Four games back. Yep. And they have a five game series with the Guardians. The Twins, I mean, honestly, we'll get to that later. I have my own uh, analogy for them, but I, I'm going to start off with fire and dumpster. They kind of go together. Uh, but let's jump into this first topic, fellas. You look at the Vikings Eagles game. Uh, you got Jalen Hurts. You got Kirk Cousins. Uh, when When they started this off, people were saying the Eagles you know, what could they be? Well, they added A.J. Brown, they got rid of Jalen Rager, and they put up 38 points. Now, is the Lions defense just that bad, or is the Eagles offense just that good, or is it a combination of both? Well, the Vikings head into there. They haven't won a Monday night football game against a team not called the Chicago Bears since 2008. This is now Kirk Cousins' time to say, you know what? That whole stigma behind me, I had a bunch of coaches that didn't believe in me. I had owners that didn't want to extend me. I had GMs who wanted to fight for me, but coaches that didn't like me. All that's behind me now. I got synergy in the building. I got I got guys working together. What do you guys think about this Eagles-Vikings uh, matchup on Monday night? 2008 was the last time they, they won a non-Bears Monday night football game. That is a crazy nugget, Ron. I had no idea. Uh, and it, it holds up. I can't think of one. Uh, that's 15 years almost of football, so that's wild. This is a really tough place to play. Um, the Eagles are kind of an enigma to me because they've got this quarterback that really isn't that talented with his arm, even though KOC thinks he's dangerous. I'm not convinced in that. But he's got everything with his legs, and they design 10 to 12 run plays for him every game. He's going to be slippery, and you run into that question. Do you blitz the guy? Do you not blitz the guy? If you blitz, are you opening up too many escape lanes? Um, and then they've got that talent at receiver with, with A.J. Brown now, and they've got Miles Sanders in the run game and Dallas Goddard at tight end. That is an offense that is built to win. They've got tough tackles, Lane Johnson and Jordan Mailata. So I almost think that that offensive roster, even though you're going from Aaron Rodgers to Jalen Hurts, but the talent around this quarterback is so much better than Green Bay. And the quarterback is, might be the one holding the back, but he has this mobility that makes him really tough to defend. So I think this is a really big test for the Vikings' defense. Even though they just handled Aaron Rodgers, I almost think this is a tougher test in some ways. 
Yeah, you nope. talk about this matchup specifically, and it's all about opportunities, opportunities for Kirk to break that primetime Monday night football kind of curse they got going on, opportunity to finally let go of that 38-7 to NFC Championship, this Eagles rivalry we've had going. Now, granted, they've won two in a row in the past two games. They're two on their past two games against the Eagles, so uh, everybody likes to go back and draw back, circle back to that 38-7 to NFC Championship game, but that was five years ago by now. But opportunities for the run defense, specifically Dalvin Tomlinson and Harrison Phillips, boy, what two unsung heroes of that Packers game in week one. Don't get a lot of love because of the position they play. They don't really stack up a lot of stats at those positions either, but they were the catalyst of why that defense was able to get home against Aaron Rodgers and create so much pressure. Uh, opportunities for sure is what I'm looking at this game. And, and Sam brought it up. Hurts, yeah, not necessarily dangerous inside the pocket. He had a great stat yesterday. I think he was two of eight inside the pocket on third down specifically against Detroit. But this is the number one rushing offense in the league last year. Jalen Hurts ran the ball 17 times alone against Detroit. Another huge opportunity for Dalvin Tomlinson, Harrison Phillips, and this defense as a whole, again, to break a lot of these kind of stigmas going around the Vikings and the Eagles as a quiet Super Bowl sleeper kind of team heading into this 2022 season. Yeah, when you think about this Vikings-Eagles game, for me, I think it's just going to come down to, again, third down efficiency. When you think about where they faltered, Mike Zimmer used to have one of the best third down defenses in the NFL at one point, and then literally it was like a mirror. It flipped, and they became the worst. They were 31, 32 ranked in a lot of the defensive categories. It came down to third down. First and second down wasn't bad, but third and seven, third and six, third and five. They were giving up way too many second chances for that team's offense to get more opportunities to drive down. I think that's going to be the key. I think offensively, KOC has a really good plan. Uh, you look at the motions and shifts. You look at the ability to help Kirk Cousins out. Now, again, nobody had saw this offense, so the Packers didn't have a chance to, to watch film on it. And before we move on, a reminder to subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts, or you can find it at Locked On Podcasts dot com slash minnesota get access to the ron johnson show superior sports talk the minnesota football party and the instant reaction postcasts after every vikings twins wolves and wild game it's locked on sports minnesota subscribe today moving into the next topic what i think we're going to see differently from the Packers scheme to the eagle scheme is maybe the same amount of motions and shifts but maybe and this is the thing we have to remember Maybe they're dummy shifts. Maybe this is a Peyton Manning type of offense. Maybe it's a fake shift just to, for the defense to think they're getting something different than what they see, and it's exactly what they thought they were going to see, but then they're confusing them. Uh, that's why I think there's so much to this motion and shift. Like I, I talked about this years ago with the, with the uh, 49ers uh, when Kyle Shanahan first got into the NFL. I said, man, this 49ers offense is beautiful. Like the amount of times George Kittle moves with the running backs, both tight ends move, receivers shift. I'm like, it's so hard. Jimmy Garoppolo is an average quarterback, but it made him look great. It got them into the NFC. You know, it got them into a lot of playoff wins. Um I think that's what we're going to see from the Vikings. I think we're going to see some dummy shifts and moves. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. But at the end of the day, what we had not seen so far is Kirk Cousins truly looking like he's changing the play. I'm interested to see what that looks like on Monday night. Uh, but again, the Eagles have one game of film to watch. So I think it's going to change a little bit there. From a defensive standpoint, I think we got what we saw. Like I saw a cool breakdown where they was like third and seven. 
for the Vikings defense, there was nobody on the interior defensive line. They had the outsides covered, and then they had the linebackers in the middle. What they were saying was, we're daring you to run the ball on third and seven. We know you have to pass. And so I like that from uh, Ed Donatel and his defensive staff and Mike Pettin of those guys just knowing, like, look, there's Aaron Rodgers. He's got to pass the ball. He can't run. Now, Jalen Hurts, he can run for a first down. We know he's willing to do that. So it'll be interesting to see what they do on those third and sevens because I think that's where that game is going to come down to. But that's going to be the difference for me. I think we're going to see a little bit different uh, defensive looks with Jalen Hurts. Uh, what about you, Luke? Yeah, yeah, I think we may look back and realize that week one versus the Packers, like a lot of week ones in the NFL, turns out to be maybe a little bit of an anomaly. The fact the Vikings were able to just keep picking and picking on that Packers zone scheme with J.J., that may not happen again the rest of the season, at least in that kind of fashion. They'll get more man double coverage this week with Darius Slay and a safety over the top. And J.J. is going to have a lot more cloud coverage to his side of the field. So Kirk's going to have to spread the ball around. I mean, K.J., uh, Thielen, his tight ends, his running backs out of the backfield could be a huge game for Dalvin Cook here on paper. Defensively, though, you're right, Ron. I mean, watch out. This is such a stark difference in offenses you're going to get now. I mean, you're going from Rodgers, who doesn't move as well as he used to, with and without Adams as well, too, obviously, Devontae Adams in his first game. So you're going from that to a true dual-threat mobile quarterback got that big-bodied number one receiver. That worries me a little bit because of the fact the Vikings don't have that number one kind of leave them on an island cornerback with Pat Pease getting a little bit up there in age because they can't let A.J. Brown just beat them, and which means he's going to need extra attention too. Um, I expect to see a lot more speed out there, especially on third downs when Hurts is so dangerous as we've seen. Calling it now, I think Brian Asamoah and Lewis Seen maybe down in the box going to be a, a bigger factor on third and longs to help quarterbacks spy and contain and match speed with speed. And something that a guy like maybe Jordan Hicks just can't offer. Um, this is exactly why you drafted a guy like Brian Asamoah. His sideline to sideline speed on the field on passing down situations. Those third and longs, Ron, exactly what you brought up. Third and seven, third and 12. You'll see both him and Seen on the field for the first time this year. I think it's going to be, a, an, again, another opportunity here for Kwesi's draft class to prove him right and make him look good in a lot of ways if they're successful at containing Hurts outside the pocket and force him to beat you passing the ball, which, like Sam's mentioned all week, just never really been his strength. Yeah, um, I look at last week where the Vikings sacked Aaron Rodgers four times, and you might think to yourself, well, he must have blitzed a lot. No, they didn't. <laughs> They only blitzed four times in that game. So this week, they're facing a quarterback who last week, when pressured, was 2 of 10 passing the football. Last year, he was 30th of 40 in completion percentage when pressured. As a rookie, he was 39th of 39 completion percentage when pressured. So I think you got to get pressure on this guy. You need to bring uh, probably some extra blitzers, but you always got to have that spy. Have the spy linebacker in the middle. It was always Anthony Barr before. Now, who is it going to be this time? Is it going to be Hicks? Will it be someone like Asamoah? The Vikings haven't exactly played all the cards they have in their back pocket. We haven't seen Seen yet, who's going to debut on Monday, so they haven't unveiled any three safety looks. They haven't unveiled what plan they have for Brian Asamoah. And then on the offensive side of the ball, I think there's still a lot of meat on the bone. The luxury of having such a big lead against Green Bay is the Vikings really only had to play one solid half in that game, and then just kind of hang on the rest of the way. They didn't need to go into all of their big bag of tricks. Um, they still haven't really unveiled Irv Smith 
He only had 19 snaps in that first game. They didn't have anything for Ken A. Wangwu. So I think, and Jalen Rager as well, going back to face his former team. How will he get involved? I think they have these little X factors that they can kind of plug in, both on defense and on offense, that there's really no film on in the KOC era. So I'm excited to see how they start to incorporate these role players and what impact they can have in this game. Yeah, and so when you think about everything that this game is going to bring, I think the NFC picture is going to start to show us who these Vikings are. If they can, not say dominate, but if they can win in, 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 in a commanding fashion, I think a close game still is good, but a commanding win will really show us. A close win just shows, you know what? The Lions aren't as bad as we think they are. Like, I, I joked on the Vikings pregame show uh, last week, and they were like, man, where do you rank this NFC or North? And I said, everybody was kind of Vikings, Packers, Lions, Bears. Like, they thought, you know, and I, I joked, and I said, you know what? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if the NFC North can cannibalize themselves, and not the Vikings, but if the Bears and Lions can find a way to beat the Packers once, just once. Mm -hmm. The Lions can sneak into that number two spot in the NFC North. Not the playoffs, because if they were to knock down the Packers somehow, I think all three are out and the Vikings take over and just go, and then it's other divisions that get their guys in. Because, I mean, let's be real, like when you look at the NFC now, it, at first you thought the Cowboys were a shoe-in, now with Dak out for six to eight weeks. I mean, it's it's wide open again. Like it kind of feels like, you know, of course the Bucks. You got to throw them in there just because they're the Bucks. You got the Saints. You got to throw them in there. But that division themselves, too, they got to figure out who's going to win that division uh, with the NFC South. So it's it can go any way you want. But this is where I go with this. If the Vikings can dominate and really show who they are. I think this NFC North picture or sorry, NFC picture can kind of show us who the Vikings are and where they stand so far. And then, I mean, it gets easier. I mean, you got you do have the Saints. But other than that, in these first six the Saints and the Eagles were the only two games, we, and the Packers, sorry, the Packers and the uh, Saints were kind of the two games everybody said, oh, this is this could be a toss-up. If they can really win this Eagles game, they already won the Packers game, it's going to be hard to find that first loss in these first six games. But before we jump into this next topic, we got the Gophers, Colorado coming up. There are some familiar faces, because on the P.J. Flex show, P.J. talked about familiar faces on the other sideline for Colorado with coaches. We have a word from our sponsors. Yes, betonline.net is your number one source for all pro and college football betting needs as we get ready to talk about the Gophers. Uh, you can get all the, the latest league developments, game matchups, news, podcasts for pro and college football. It's your continued source for all sports wagering info. And there's more than football as well. There's live betting, esports, MMA, boxing, and golf. You can get all of those resources at betonline.net. That Vikings over-under is coming down. It's now 50 and a half. The line is coming down now. They're only a point and a half underdogs. Uh, head to the website today and check that out or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action at BetOnline, where the game starts. Well, as we jump into this Colorado Gophers game, uh, the Gophers undefeated. The Bra Nebraska sucks. They fired their coach. Wisconsin, <laughs> they lost. Their coach is on the hot seat. Paul Chris, it, it, well, not hot seat, warm seat. They're saying, you know, the loss of Washington State, what happens if he continues to lose and has a poor season? I think nothing. I just think that's media just trying to create some drama uh, in their own backyard because they have nothing else to write about because Wisconsin football, honestly, is boring until the end of the year. It, it really is. Um, 
PJ Fleck gives you stuff because it's PJ Fleck. And there's always some kind of drama surrounding PJ Fleck, whether it's Jerry Kill. Uh, and now he has another group of former coaches coming in from Colorado or coming into Minnesota from Colorado. Uh, Mike Sanford Jr. went there. Uh, 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 forgot his name, but Clay's, I think, or Clay, Clay, uh, what is his name? The tight ends coach anyway, though, he he's coming in as well from Colorado. And so we just talked to P.J. Fleck on the P.J. Fleck show about this, and his he bought it up. He said, you know what? This is what football is about. Coaches are going to get other jobs. Coaches are going to leave you. Um, I said, is that a mark of a good coach? P.J. didn't want to allude to that because he's never going to praise himself. But, you know, the, the, the mark of a good coach is that other coaches want you to come be a part of their staff and not even, and, you know, and promote you and have you a better role. And be able to find a way to uh, get that culture into their program, which Colorado, they need an identity. Colorado football really does not exist as of since Cordell uh, Stewart, I feel like. Like since uh, Cordell mm-hmm. Stewart and, uh, you know, the, the the big Hail Mary against Michigan, I feel like Colorado football, yeah. you know, back to the B enemy date, like it hasn't really been much. Like you haven't really talked about Colorado football much. So this is where I go with this. Gophers, Colorado, last year they, they goose-egged them 30 to nothing. I think that this is going to be another go for, not say runaway victory, but I think this is going to be another solid victory for P.J. Fleck. He did bring up the fact that all the terminology, now this is crazy. You got a six-year quarterback. You got Kirk Scirocco coming back. So these coaches have been around for Kirk Scirocco, the coaches have left. And they say they changed the terminology. Defensively, offensively, that you have to year in and year out because when you do have coaches leave, when you do have players transfer, you got to change it. He's like, it sucks for the players, uh, but it's just, the nature of the beast. It happens in the NFL. We know that. Uh, and so the Gophers have changed their terminology. So he's saying these coaches don't really have any idea of the things we're going to say now versus when we did. So what is your prediction of this game, Colorado Gophers? Yeah, I'll take a stab. Um, I looked at Colorado's first two games. And, you know, it's nice that you have kind of a name brand team, at least a Power 5 team in the non-conference schedule. It's a little more aesthetically pleasing to look at than, you know, New Mexico State or or Western Illinois. Okay, it's Colorado, the Buffaloes from the Pac-12. But you look at their their results this year. They've lost by 25 and 31, and they have gotten destroyed on the ground to the tune of 710 yards in two games combined. They have allowed, gentlemen, 7.1 yards per carry. What do the Gophers do well? They run the crap out of the football. Gophers have rushed for like six yards per carry so far. They've rushed it over 50 times in the first two games each. They're going to do more of the same. They're going to pound the ball on these Buffaloes. Mo Ibrahim, Trey Potts, 34-10 is going to be the final score, and the Gophers will go for 250-plus on the ground, and they will be 3-0. Yeah, I like it. Not a ton to add. I'll keep it short and sweet. Gophers demolished Western Illinois and New Mexico State. They've scored 101 points, only allowed 10 in two games. Granted, yes, weak competition. But I can't really sit here with a straight face and say Colorado is that much better than either of those teams they've already faced. Colorado's offense is just not good. Their defense, I guess it could be worse, but it's still well below average. Uh, they they got smoked by the uh, Air Force and TCU already. And not only is the Gophers the better team with P.J. Fleck, but they play this one at home. The line is 27 and a half. The over-under is 46 and a half. Gophers should cover that for the third game in a row. I'm not seeing or smelling any trap game here, a la Bowling Green last season. Those kinds of games only happen once every few seasons. And that one's still fresh enough from last season that I think PJ and company, they won't look past Colorado. They'll win this one by double digits. And just a quick fun fact, 
my first jersey ever as a kid, Cordell Stewart from Colorado. I'm glad Ron brought that one up. I think I wore that to school like 68 days in a row until my mom was like, should we switch it up? Do you want to wear something else? I'm like, no, I'm good, man. Got my black Steelers Cordell Stewart jersey. So you're right, Ron. Outside of Cordell Stewart, Colorado really hasn't done much at all in the last, what, 25, 30 years. I'm trying to think of yeah, one I mean, other active than... Colorado player. Sorry, Ron. One active Colorado it. player in the NFL. You can't do it. LaVisca Chenault. There you go. There you go. Great job, Ron. There you go. That's the only – and so that's the only reason why I was going to say, like, Colorado football's had – they've had, you know, they've had some some, some hit or misses. Um, The only reason I know that is because the Vikings were going to draft LaVisca Chenault. Like, they had thought about drafting him uh, because Mm -hmm. I know this because what they do is they give us five players at a position that they're thinking about drafting. So that C.D. Lamb year – they kind of gave us the receivers that they thought would fall to them. Justin Jefferson being one of them. Jalen Rager was one. Uh, I think Sims was one. Lavishka Chenault. Um, I think Tyler Johnson was in that group. I got I got to look back at the Vikings.com piece I did. But whenever Rick would give us that, I was like, oh, these are the five receivers they think they can draft. Um, so that's why it was so funny when I went on PA's show and I said Justin Jefferson – Everybody was like, there's no way he's falling to the Vikings. And everybody thought I was so dumb for saying Justin Jefferson. I got to find that clip. I've been trying to get Nordle to send it to me, but he's reluctantly done it because it proves me right and PA wrong. And I think that they don't like that. That's been like some turmoil there too. Uh, Because I keep bringing that up. I'm like, I've gotten it right twice now. I said Darisol on Fox. And then I said it PA. And then I said uh, Justin Jefferson. Everybody said, oh, no, there's no way they're getting Darisol. They're not going to get him. And they got Darisaw. And they're like, there's no way Justin Jefferson falls to him. Now, that was a good guess of me. Like, I didn't think he would fall to them either. But I just said, you know what? I'm like, looking at LSU, looking at, uh, you know, what has happened in the past with receivers. I was like, he fits this system. I was like, Justin Jefferson. PA is like, what? No, 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 no. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Like, he's going in 15. And I was like, okay. Okay, and the Eagles made me look smart because they drafted Jalen Rager and they didn't take Justin <laughs> Jefferson. So, um, yeah, but that was one of the guys Rick had covered. That's why Rick – and so that's the other part of the video people don't understand. I don't think Rick and, and, and uh, Zim were, like, laughing at the Eagles. I think they were so surprised because they had covered Justin, but they're like, there's no way we're getting this guy. Like, after watching his film, probably watching his plays, uh, having the receivers coach look at it, having the coordinator, they're like, there's no way this kid falls to us. And when he was still there, that's why Rick was like, wait, what? Oh, get him on the phone. Because he was like, I can't believe it worked out. You know, it worked out for Denny Green with with Randy Moss. Same thing. Everybody's like, how did Randy Moss fall to the Vikings? Well, it happens. Character. People questioned things that happened to him when he was 8 years old, 12 years old, and 15 years old. Uh, But that's just what the NFL does. And then you look at Justin Jefferson, same thing. It's one of those things where they just they they looked at all these other receivers, like, oh yeah, Henry Ruggs is so fast, and Jerry Judy at Alabama, and, and CD Lamb in Oklahoma, and you know, Jalen Rager at TCU. Well, Justin Jefferson falls to the Vikings. So that I think that was another one for me. Uh, but yeah, LaVishka Chanel. I, I had to watch film on him, cover him, and I remember uh Colorado. I actually liked him too. I was like, if the Vikings get him, I'm like, that's not a bad no, he's, not a bad he's choice. solid. Yeah, yeah. I looked it up. David Bakhtiari apparently is from Colorado as well. And just going okay. back to the draft super quick here, that's what's so fun about the draft. We do three million mock drafts leading up to it, and you still never know. There's always big surprises. You brought up those receivers that you, you were trying to kind of guesstimate who the Vikes are gonna take. I remember 2016. Remember it was it was Corey Coleman from Baylor, it was Josh Doxon, Laquan Tre 
read well. Michael yep. Thomas was the last to go, and he didn't go until the second round. But if you remember that draft, Laramie Tunsil was supposed to go at least in the top three, if not the number one overall pick. That picture comes out about him in the mask. All of a sudden, he drops to 13. But, yeah, that's why I absolutely love the draft. Kind of fun to go back once in a while and just kind of recap as far as just what we guessed and then how it all kind of unfolded. Yeah, so now as we move into a topic that I feel like I was a little harsh, maybe to start. I said dumpster fire. It is. Okay, let's be honest. It's a dumpster fire. But this is what I was saying about this dumpster fire. It only takes a little bit. Don't do water because I think water and dumpster fires, it makes it worse. You got to think, I think it's baking soda and sand. The good thing is they play on a field that sometimes they can get some sand. Here's where I go with this. The Twins are four games back. And they have a five-game home, which I, I and Sam knows this. I absolutely hate Major League Baseball when it comes to this kind of stuff. I hate to say this out loud, but it's not over. And oh my God, it's not over. Ugh, this is so painful because of that. Because of who they play next, it's technically not over. Um, you look at the Guardians are in first place. You look at the uh, White Sox in second place and the Twins. They're four games back from them. They can catch the White Sox in the next eight games because they're going to get the Guardians and they're going to get the Royals. And then they get the worst team in the division, and it's the Tigers. Uh, White Sox are pretty good, 74 and 70. Um, but again, if you look at other teams that would be in the playoffs anyway over them, you got the Blue Jays with 81 wins. You got the Rays with 80 wins. You even have the 75-win Orioles. And so the only team in the AL East that everybody's better than is the Red Sox, um, and which is crazy to even think the Red Sox are at the bottom. Like, I, I feel like I'm watching uh, – I don't remember that uh, what that movie is called with Drew Barrymore. Uh, Fever but Pitch. But I feel like I'm – what is it? Fever is it Pitch? Fever Pitch? Or, uh, yeah, something like that. Or is it – is it? Uh, are you thinking of the one with Jimmy Fallon? Yeah, Jimmy Fallon and, and Drew Barrymore. Yeah, yeah, Fever Pitch. Fever Pitch. Yeah, so I feel like that. Like, the, the nobody believes in the Red Sox, and all of a sudden they have a great season. This is not it. Uh, but then you have the Astros, the Mariners, and then, of course, they're all better than the Rangers. So, theoretically, they have to win because the wild card is not, like, it, they, uh, unless the Blue Jays or the Rays fall off or the Orioles, they just don't have a chance. Like, they have to win it. And so, you look at that. Four games back with eight games that are easily winnable, plus then the two Tigers games. That's ten games. The number I say they have to win out of these 10 is seven. You win seven out of 10. You help out your calls with the Guardians. If you can take some from the White Sox, you help out your calls with the White Sox, and you're back in first place. Now, the last 10 they've had, they're four and six in the last 10. So to turn that around and go seven and three or eight and two in the next 10, good luck. Good luck. But I think that's the number. It's got to be seven to eight wins in the next 10 to 12 games because the White Sox, Tigers, Angels – and the Guardians, you got to find a way to get 10 wins out of that 14 games. But that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I think when I look at just this Cleveland series here, uh, you know, you'll have, what, 15 games left after this one. Given how hot Cleveland has played, I just don't think you can come out of this series specifically um, down anything less than three games back. I mean, it's an odd game series with five games. So if they win three, they'll be just three back. If they win only two, they'll be five games back again. So with Sioux, with, with, with so few games to play, I just can't see them getting that hot with how many injuries they dealt with to go on a late surge down five games with 15 to play. Uh, they need to win three of these next five. And honestly, I mean, kind of just keeping it real here with Ron, Guardians have been so good as of late. It's in Cleveland. 
I'm not sure the Twins can just turn it on and win these must-win games. They've fallen short so many times this season under Rocco in these kind of do-or-die pressure situations. Um, they just had Joe Ryan and Sonny Gray pitch those gems, so they got to work all the way back around the rotation before they get them back. I think it's Bailey Ober on the mound tonight. Doesn't really strike a ton of confidence in anyone, but the time their top two pitchers get back on the mound, they might already be down two games in this series. It's do or die territory. So I hope I'm wrong, but you know, this 2022 twin squad has just already proven they can't be trusted under Rocco. So I don't know why I'd, I'd expect anything different now. So they got to win three of these next five for sure against Cleveland. Yeah, and I would almost put the number at four. I mean, I think even if you, you exit this series with 15 games left, if you're still down three, um, this team has not proven it can string wins together at all. The injuries mounting are unbelievable. Luis Arise is now sort of day-to-day, -day, and I know he got a pinch hit appearance last night, but if they don't have him in the lineup for some of these games, your lineup mm -hmm. is so thin at this point. And when I'm watching, you know, Sandy Leone and Gilbert Celestino getting these gigantic at-bats in games, I just cringe. Like, this is not the way it was supposed to be. <laughs> The Twins were supposed to, to have this really nice lineup of young players, and it's just been decimated. Um, and this is a place that the Twins have been haunted by, is Cleveland this year. They can't beat the Guardians. Their bullpen can't hold up late in these games. Five games in four days, their bullpen is going to be taxed. How's that going to go? I mean, jo Jawan Duran cannot pitch every single day. So I don't know how this is going to work out for the Twins. Um, they got to win four out of five, and I, I am pessimistic that they can get it done. And before we continue, make sure that you are subscribed to this YouTube channel, Locked On Sports Minnesota. Like and comment. If you leave a comment, it really helps other people discover the show. Let us know what you think about the Vikings game coming up. Locked On Sports Minnesota's YouTube channel. All of our shows delivered to you in video, free and available. And I saw a graphic today. Uh, the NFL put it up. The top five receivers in the NFL right now. Cooper Cup is fifth with 128 yards in his opener. Justin Jefferson is first with 184. How can Justin Jefferson keep this going and stay the number one receiver? As I predicted, don't forget that, in the NFL. Let's start with you, Luke. One quick one before we get out of here. He just needs to stay healthy. I think we've already seen from, uh, you know, KOC and what he did with Cooper Cup. Until you actually see it live like we did last week in week one, uh, even when teams start to double and start to cloud coverage over there, KOC is going to find ways. He's going to put extra men in motion. He's going to have that window dressing. There may be a few lulls in here, maybe a two, three-week gap from time to time. He has to spread it out, and it's more Thielen and KJ and those complementary pieces. But I'm telling you, there is no way to stop him. You can only hope to contain him. So as long as he stays healthy, and he's proven he can do that the last two years and play 17 games, he will finish up in 2022 as the number one receiver in the NFL. I'm with you, Ron. I still think we're suckers for winning football teams. So if Justin Jefferson does what he's been doing in winning efforts, then I think he, he's the clear number one. I mean, Cooper Cup's fifth already. Is that just because the Rams lost in their first game? Like, we're very fickle mm -hmm. about this stuff, and we, we reward guys that are on winning teams. And Justin Jefferson has not been on one yet. So that's probably the only thing holding him back from being uh, the league's elite. He's the only receiver ever to have 3,000 yards in his first two years. He's on track for, if he doesn't get hurt, probably another 1,500 to 2,000 yard season. Um, he's going to put up historic numbers and kind of set a new mark every year. And I think that uh, if the Vikings win 11 or more games, I think that there's no question he's going to be number one throughout the year.
Yeah, and I agree with that. Like I said, I said he would be the Triple Crown winner this year. I think he's going to do it. Uh, one last one, one fun one. I have to do this. Amazon Prime debuted its Thursday night football. I listened to so many different people talk about this. Dan Patrick joked about having to call somebody to come over and reset his Amazon password. Uh, everybody's trying to figure out how the heck do I watch this? Is like, is there a new app? Do I just log into the regular app? Can I watch Prime Video? I mean, everything. I am not going to lie. I was just as confused. My brother-in-law came into town last night with my sister and my mom uh, for the Hall of Fame induction today. And so that's the first thing my brother-in-law said was like, hey, do you guys have Amazon Prime? I'm like, yeah, I think we do because uh, you never really know. But logged on to the app right away on the TV, hit play. It was crisp. It was clear. You can tell it was HD quality. Uh, I don't know if you guys got a chance to see it. But if you did see it or you did not, what are your thoughts on games just being on apps now? Do you think this is sustainable in the NFL? Yeah, so I shout out to my brother-in-law, Corey, shared the uh, his Amazon Prime password with me. So I got logged on my mobile and carried the phone around. A little bit frustrating because like not every TV is equipped with the app, right? So we've got one that is and a couple that aren't. Um, so it wasn't like super convenient to have to kind of watch the phone all night. And for whatever reason, like, you know how some apps on your iPhone, when you close the video, it'll go picture in picture. So you can still browse mm -hmm. your phone and you can still watch the Amazon prime app did not have that. So if I got a text message, I had to close it out, <laughs> answer the message and then get back in. And then it doesn't, didn't catch up back to live. So I had to like go to live. So I was a little bit, I was a little frustrated by it. Probably would be better if it was on TV versus mobile. Luke, uh, did you get a chance to watch it? Yeah, I did. I Maybe I'm in the minority here. I was one of the few ones who didn't really have any streaming issues. I know a lot of people on Twitter were, were kind of griping about there was a lot of lag and buffer going on. Mine was crystal clear. I like the extra features, the bells and whistles. There's an all 22 going on as well that you can flip over to. They got all the stats you can pull up play by play. They have all the big key plays. You can just quickly go back. And, you know, I think the ease too of, of, of you know, the availability of Amazon, you throw up Amazon uh, in your app and it's one click away. I mean, it's right there. The big banners right there. All in all, I enjoyed it. And more specifically than anything else, I'm a big fan of Kirk Herbstreet. So I liked seeing and hearing Kirk Herbstreet go from the college game to the NFL. Granted, it was only his first game. I think he's going to get more comfortable and grow a, a little bit more chemistry with Al Michaels. But all in all, I give it about an eight, uh, eight and a half out of 10. I really enjoyed it. And this is what I say to you, Sam. Do you have an iPad? No. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because that's user error if you're on your phone and you have an iPad, because you can just stream it on the iPad. But I will say this, the Roku fill in peace. It's like 50 bucks at Target. That's one way to get it because you get Prime Video on that new Roku and the Fire Stick same thing. I think it's like 50 bucks now because they're super cheap uh, mm -hmm. because they're just really accessible. It's no more like that scary like, oh my God, I don't want to put a Fire mm -hmm. Stick into my TV. Just add that to every TV, 50 bucks. It's all you need to do. Also, Locked Roku on Sports TV. Minnesota app, Amazon Fire and Roku also. Exactly. There you go. So now you can get the app. You can watch our videos. You can get our podcast. You can download it. Uh, we want to thank you guys for joining us today on the round table for Locked On Sports Minnesota. Hey, remember, Locked On Sports Minnesota gives you endless Vikings talk with local ex experts. And now it's offering our new podcast about your favorite football team. The Minnesota Football Party brings together Arif Hassan, Luke Inman, Luke Braun, and Sam Ekstrom, Luke Inman, of course, the only one with personality, to talk about the Vikings on Mondays <laughs> and Thursdays. Find the new show 
wherever you get your podcast by subscribing to Locked On Sports Minnesota or watch the show on YouTube. I want to thank you guys for joining us today and have a good one.